don't just say my times are in His hands. We have to stop just coming to church and singing all the songs and then go out and live the exact opposite. Why don't you start really, I mean really, really, really believing. I want to share a little word with you tonight about the joy of believing. The joy of believing. How many of you know that believing is easier than not believing on your system? It's just like, you know, it's kind of a choice. You can not believe or you can believe. And we call ourselves believers because that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to believe. Well, if you read the Bible, you see the word faith and you see the word believe, and it kind of seems to be interchangeable. And I got to wondering one time, well, what is the difference? Is there a difference? Is there any difference? So if you study the two words, you actually see a lot of similarity. But I believe that faith is a gift that God gives us. In Romans 12, 3, it says, unto every man is given the measure of faith. So whatever faith we need to do whatever it is that God has called us to do, I believe that faith is put on the inside of us. It amazes me when I realize the things that I believe that wouldn't make any sense at all to somebody else, and it's because God has given me this gift of faith to be able to do what I'm doing. But believing, the word believe, has a lot of similar definitions, but it also says to agree with God. And just for the sake of us talking about it tonight, let's say that faith is a force that comes out of our spirit, but believing is something that we can decide to do. We can decide to agree with God. The Bible says in order to be saved, you must believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That's really the pattern for success in every area of your life. You believe in your heart. You study the Word. You learn something. Okay, God says I'm a new creature. God says He loves me. You know, I'm going to believe that. And I'm going to say that. So many people believe something, but then they say the opposite. So we, one kills the other. We have to make sure that we're going to believe in our heart and then change the confession of our mouth. Once you learn that you're a new creature, then you can no longer talk bad about yourself. From there on, you have to say, I'm a new creature. I've been made right with God. He's got a good plan for me. I may not be where I need to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. I'm making progress. And if you can do that, then you're going to defeat the devil. There's all kinds of people that believe in God. They believe in God, but they don't believe much of anything else that's going to help them. And I was like that for a lot of years. I mean, I was reasonably committed as a Christian. We went to church every week. Our kids went to Christian schools. We loved God. We tithed. We observed all the religious holidays. We did church work. But I didn't believe much of anything else. I still believed that I was just a mess up and that because I'd been abused in my childhood sexually by my father, that I would always have some kind of an inferior life. I believed all the wrong things, even though I was a Christian who loved God. I believed in God, but I didn't believe all the other stuff that he wanted me to believe. 
And I think the sad thing is, is the world is full of people like that. And whether you're here in the studio tonight or whether you're watching from home, I definitely think that every one of us can learn to come up higher in our believing, which is really another way of saying, what, what do you think of yourself? You know, I don't believe that any person could have a happy life if you don't have a good opinion of yourself. And I don't mean a good opinion in yourself, but a good opinion of yourself in Christ. I always like to say that I'm an everything, nothing. I'm nothing in myself, but I can be everything in Christ because that's what the Bible says. We're redeemed in Him. We're saved in Him. We're washed in His blood. Everything is in Him, in Him, in Him, in Him. Well, I don't, I mean, I look to you like I'm in Him, but I believe that I'm in Him. And so I say that I have a new nature. I've been made right with God. God's got a good plan for my life. He loves me. I've got power and authority over the enemy. And if you will believe the promises of God, that's when your life begins to get a great upgrade. I think one of the reasons why our Christian witness and testimony is not so great in the world is because we believe that Jesus died for us and that someday in the sweet by and by, if we can just make it through this mean, awful, horrible world, we're going to get to go to heaven and have this mansion that Jesus has prepared for us. Well, you know what? That might be nice for us, but that doesn't do much for the world because they need to see changed behavior. They need to see the fruit of the Spirit. They need to see people walking in love. They want to see people walking in victory. They want to see people that have got uh, joy, who have peace, not people that are always down on themselves. And so you can believe in Jesus and go to heaven, but what about your journey here? And I always say that a lot of people have enough of Jesus to stay out of hell, but not enough to walk in victory. Come on now, I'm preaching better than you're acting. Amen. And you know, that's, that's, kind of the, that's kind of the way I was. You know, it was like, I really believe that I would have gone to heaven if I would have died. <coughs> but I don't think I would have taken anybody with me. Matter of fact, the way I behaved, I might have possibly kept a few people out. <laughs> because the bad thing is, is when we, when we claim to be something, but have no fruit of that, it actually turns people off rather than helping them want what we have. So I think that we should be salt and light. And that means that everybody should be thirsty for the kind of life you have. And they should learn through our behavior, not just through our preaching, that God is a good God and He can change us and renew us. But we're not going to get that if all we believe is that Jesus died for us and that someday in the sweet by and by we can go to heaven. We have to learn to believe all the other promises of God too. Like when Nancy was up, she mentioned Isaiah 61 7, and I like to talk about verse 8 too. It says, For my former shame, God will give me a double or a twofold recompense. That means reward. Now, do you know what that's saying? For my former shame, for all the stuff I went through BC, before Christ in my life, for all of that, God is going to reward me double if I will follow Him, believe His word, follow His ways, and be patient. And he's going to give me a, a double reward for all that mess. Okay, well, that was there. All those years that I went to church and all those years that I thought that I would always live a second-rate life because I'd been abused, that promise was there in the Bible all of those years, but I never knew it was there. 
and I didn't believe it. So it didn't do me any good. Are you understanding what I'm saying here tonight? It can't do you any good if your pastor believes it. It's not going to do you any good if I believe it. We preach it to people so they can believe it. And each one of you has to personally take that as yours. Testimony is good, but testimony from other people is more than just a great little story of their recovery. It's an opportunity for you to say, I'm in that line. I'm one of those whosoevers. I'm one of those anybodies that God can love and do great things in my life. I had a lot of failure in my life and a lot of hurtful things, and I believed I could never get over it until I began to see in the Bible that I could forgive and I could begin to pray for the people that hurt me and that God promised if I would do that, that He would bring reward in my life. Well, that was there all the time. How many things have been there all the time that maybe you're not yet believing? That's why I always say that Jesus did not die so we could just have a religion. Whatever your brand of religion is. Jesus didn't die just so we could all have our favorite denomination and go to church on Sunday and go home and go to church on Sunday and go home and go to church on Sunday and go home and nothing much ever change in our life. That's not why Jesus died. He died so we could have a deep, personal, intimate relationship with God that we could know Him and, what did the Apostle Paul say? And the power of His resurrection. That does what? Lifts me out from among the dead, even while I am in the body. You have a right to power in your life. My life was so ridiculously miserable. When I was in my 20s, I could never remember being happy. I could never remember being happy as a child or relaxed or not afraid. I grew up in an atmosphere where I was just afraid all the time. And it seemed like the only way that I ever got any kind of approval was if I was doing some kind of work that was producing some result that everybody liked. And so, even as a Christian, I just became a workaholic. I thought, well, if you, if you just keep working, if you just keep working and producing something, then maybe you'll be accepted. Well, I worked until I almost killed myself. And then I began to realize through the Word of God that God is not pleased with our works of the flesh. It's only what we do directed by Him that pleases Him. And that He loved me before I did any work and will love me when I can't work anymore. You see, I realize, and I'm so glad I realize this, and I'm not saying that it wouldn't be an adjustment, but I am more than Joyce Meyer Ministries. I'm a child of God that He loves, and He doesn't just love me because I preach and because I'm on television and because I write books and because I travel, because I help people. He loves me because I'm me. And if for some reason I can never do this, He's going to love me just as much. And the same thing is true for you. So how many promises are in the Word of God for you that you have never even known was there or ever believed? It is not God's will for us to live some kind of a subpar, half miserable, barely get by 
life. He said that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. That's why I'm calling this new book Power Thoughts. Because I really believe that if you learn how to think right, that it's going to add power to your life. Amen? Amen. So John chapter 6 verse 28 is a real favorite scripture of mine that has meant a lot to me over the years. Part of it being because I was such a workaholic. And in John 6, 28, they said to him, what are we to do? Now, I think, you know, we all have that question. What do you want me to do? Well, God, what do you want me to do? I mean, I think there's a little demon that sits on our shoulder. The devil sends one out for each of us every day. And he just says all day long, well, what are you going to do? 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 If you try to rest, you need to get up and do something. You should do something. You've got this to do and that to do that you didn't do. And why aren't you doing that? <laughs> if you have a problem, the devil's saying, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And we think we should come up with an answer. And one of the reasons why we get ourselves in trouble is because we don't really know what to do. And then we run around and ask other people what we should do, and they don't even know what they're doing. <laughs> all because we all think we have to do something. Amen? So, what are we to do that we might habitually, that's what they said, Jesus, what are we to do? <laughs> oh God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? That we may be working the works of God. What are we to do to carry out what God requires? Jesus replied, this is the work that God asks of you, that you believe. <laughs> in the one whom he has sent. So what does God want you to do when you have a problem? Believe. What does God want you to do when you don't know what to do? Believe. What does God want you to do when you've waited 20 years for your breakthrough and you don't see anything or feel anything? Believe. Simply believe. There's a wonderful story about a man named Lazarus that would certainly be worth looking at here for a moment. Let's find it right. John 11. Starting at about verse 32. I'm just going to... I'll kind of explain this as I go. When Mary came to the place where Jesus was and saw him, she dropped down at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Seems like a reasonable thing. When Jesus saw her sobbing and the Jews who came with her also sobbing, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. He chafed in spirit and sighed and was disturbed. Now, was, did he feel that way? Was he grieved in spirit because they were crying? Was it was their tears that was bothering Jesus? No, it was their unbelief. He was bothered because they didn't really understand who he was. And they said, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. And what he wanted to hear was, even if he's dead, you can still do something about it if that's what you want to do. See, he doesn't ever want us to get to the point where we think that a circumstance 
can stop him. And so, and he said, where have you put, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, perhaps, well, it is the shortest verse in the Bible, but perhaps the most powerful and one that we should look at a lot more than we do, Jesus wept. And I can tell you, he did not weep over Lazarus' death because he already knew he was going to raise him from the dead. He was weeping over their unbelief. And I believe that many times he weeps over our unbelief. When we say that we trust God, we go to church every week, we do a little church work, but then we have a problem and all we can do is stay up all night and worry and try to figure it out and call all of our friends and ask them what we should do. And then you get 12 opinions and you get more and more and more confused. <laughs> go to the throne, not the phone when you have a problem. There's a place to go and a place not to go. And I honestly think that it offends God when we don't come to Him first. Now, I'm not saying that you can't ask anybody for advice, but I think that we should be led by the Spirit in that and not just run around to people, but go to God first. So Jesus weeps over our unbelief. And the Jews said, well, just look at how much He loved Him. And some of them said, well, if He could open a blind man's eyes, then why couldn't He keep this man from dying? And Jesus again... <laughs> sighed repeatedly and was deeply disquieted. Approaching the tomb, he said, take away the stone. That's another whole message in itself. I can't preach, but I would just like to give you a little touch of what that means. If Jesus was getting ready to raise the man from the dead, why did he need them to move the stone? I think that's worth talking about. Roll away the stone. Well, what if they would have looked and said, we can't push that thing out of the way. See, the thing is, is whatever God tells us to do, we can do it. And he told them to roll away the stone because we're partners with God. And he always wants us to take that step of faith to at least look like we're going to try to do what he's telling us to do. <laughs> Even if we think we can't. And so the interesting thing is, is something can look so much greater than you that you just know there's no way you can do it. But if God says do it and you start taking steps in that direction, that's when all of a sudden His anointing comes, the presence of God comes, and you begin to do things that you would have never believed that you could do simply because you step out and put your trust in God. Amen. I don't know how I do this. I just come out here. <laughs> you know, you got people flashing cards at you and doing this and that. Got all this timing and you're trying to think about what you're saying and all this stuff. You just got to believe what it says in Romans that unto every man is given the measure of faith to enable him to do whatever it is that he's called to do. And let me tell you, if you're in a tough spot right now, maybe your marriage is less than pleasant, and you would say to me, well, I believe that God wants me to stick it out. I think he's going to do something. But Joyce, I just don't think I can do this. It's just way too much for me. And I just don't think I can. Well, the thing is, is if you really believe that God told you to, then you don't need to moan about it anymore. Because he's going to give you the ability to be there and to be there with joy. Amen. Now, you didn't hear me. <laughs> Not just to be there and be miserable 
Come on. Because God is not calling us to misery. You don't have to be there and be miserable. What you need to do is be there with a new attitude and a new mindset. If this is what God called me to do, then I can do it. I can do it with joy. I can hardly wait to see what God's going to do. And I'm going to keep my mind on the good stuff and not the bad stuff. Same way if you've got a job that you don't like. I've had people say to me, well, you know, I just... God's got to get me a different job because I'm the only Christian where I work and I just can't take that kind of stuff anymore. It's just too hard. Well, aren't you the person that asked God to use you? Oh, oh, you didn't want to be used with sinners. You wanted to be used with... You wanted to be used with all the... Oh, I see. You just wanted to join a religious social club. I, I see. You didn't really want to be used by God. Well, see, if God has called you to be the only Christian where you work, then guess what? He will give you the ability to be there and to be there with a good attitude and to be there with joy and to let your light shine. And sometimes that's a greater ministry than any pulpit ministry. Everybody who wants to be in ministry doesn't need to be up here. You need to be where people are that aren't going to come to church, that aren't going to turn on a Christian program. You need to be on your jobs, in your schools, in your neighborhoods, out in the places where you shop, acting full on like a Christian. Amen? Amen. And I don't mean, I don't mean walking around speaking Christianese with your headset on and <laughs> carrying a Bible in each hand. You know, that's not, that's not what I mean. I mean loving people, being friendly, being stable, being joyful. What happens if you go to work and you're just stable? And no matter what happens, you just say, I believe it'll work out. Well, it won't be long and somebody can say, well, how can you be so positive? Well, the door's right open now for you to tell them about your faith in Jesus Christ. Now they're going to believe you because they've seen the result in your life already. But we go at it the opposite way. We try to tell, 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 and there's no show, show, show. When we used to do that in school, it was show and tell. <laughs> Not tell and show. Or tell and no show, which is even worse. Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said, Well, Lord, by now he stinks. He's been dead four days. You know, it's kind of like saying, well, if you'd have put a stop to this before it got this bad, God, maybe something could have been done. <laughs> but now my situation is just way too bad for even you to do anything about it. And you know, we might not say that, but he's looking for people that will believe when there's no reason to hope, to hope on in faith like Abraham did, that they will see the promises of God come to pass. Now, I didn't say that you will see anything that you want to happen come to pass. Come on now. That you will see the promises of God in His Word come to pass in your life. You know, God may not give you what you want. <gasps> Don't turn your television off just because I said that. God may not give you what you want but if he doesn't, he'll just give you something better that you're not smart enough to ask for yet. Amen? So we just simply need to keep trusting God, keep trusting God. I'll bet you 
that you could absolutely give the devil a nervous breakdown in less than a week. If you would just make your mind up here tonight, I am going to believe, 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 believe. Because the Bible says, my work as a believer is to believe. I don't have to reason. I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to, you know, be sad and depressed about it. All I need to do is believe. Well, he already stinks. Jesus said, did I not tell you? <laughs> Maybe there's some folks here tonight that need to hear Jesus say to you, did I not tell you? Or how about those watching from home? Did I not tell you? He's saying, did I not tell you that if you would only believe, you would see the glory of God? I don't know about you, but when I finally got a hold of that 12, 15 years ago, it was just like, oh, if I just keep, oh yeah, I'm a believer. <laughs> That's what I'm supposed to do. It's not my job to fix it. It's not my job to figure out how to fix it. It's not my job to worry about it. I just need to believe. Now, the first thing the devil's going to say is, well, that doesn't make any sense. And you say, I know. <laughs> I know. But I no longer live out of my mind? I have a new mind. I have the mind of Christ. And I now think like he would think. You know, in Mark chapter 16, through like verses 9 through 14, when Jesus arose from the dead, when he first appeared to his disciples because he had sent Mary to tell them he's risen. And the Bible says they didn't believe her. And the first thing that Jesus did when he saw them was he rebuked them and reproved them and corrected them for their unbelief. The very thing that they had been believing for, when news came to them that it had happened, they didn't believe it. And several times in those few verses, he corrected them and reproved them for their unbelief. I just think that we need to realize tonight that God is not pleased with all of our unbelief. You know, in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew, Mark, and Luke each used the word believe either nine or ten times. But John used that word 99 times. 99 times in the book of John, he, he used the word believe. I think that explains to me why John seemed to have such a close, intimate relationship with God. He even dared to call himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. He was the one who lay back on his breast at dinner. I mean, it's just... He had a really close, intimate, loving relationship with God. And I think the reason he felt that close to Jesus was because he just believed. <laughs> he just believed and believed and believed and believed and believed. The other guys only could believe nine or ten times in a chapter. <laughs> but John just outlasted the devil. And he was the one that lived the longest, 
They even tried to boil him in oil and couldn't kill him. Because even when they put him in there, I'm sure he was believing. <laughs> you know, little children don't find it very hard to believe. And I don't know when it is we think we grow up, but we all do have to grow up. But it's a shame that we have to lose our childlikeness. And no wonder the Bible says if you ever want to really enter the kingdom of heaven, you must become like a little child. Now, you know, that doesn't mean that if you don't become childlike, you can't go to heaven. But I think that's talking differently when it says anyone who wants to enter the kingdom. I think that's the thing I'm talking about, about the here life, the now life that God wants us to live. Because eternal life starts the moment that you receive Christ. It's not this thing that's going to happen over here when you die and hopefully you're going to get your mansion in heaven. So I believe that for many years I was officially and legally in the kingdom, but I never knew how to enter the kingdom because I only knew how to believe in Christ. I didn't know how to believe in the things that He had promised. I didn't believe His promises. So therefore, I didn't have joy. I didn't have, I didn't have peace because I thought I had to fix everything. I thought I had to take care of everything. I thought I had to change everybody in the world that needed to be changed. You cannot have peace if you're going to be the great choir director of life and try to run the whole world. It is very difficult to have peace if you don't give that job up. <laughs> Believing is so wonderful. It takes the pressure off. But in order to do that, you really do have to become like a little child and just stop trying to figure everything out. We mentioned tonight during Nancy's interview, Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, that says, Trust in the Lord, and the Amplified Bible says, With all your heart and mind, and lean not to your own understanding. And you know, there were times in my life when I would say, you, somebody would say to me, so I hear whatever. Let's just say somebody says, well, I hear you lost your job, so... Um, how are you doing? Oh, I'm trusting God. But then I'd worry constantly about that situation. And so I had to have an awakening moment in my life and realize that I was not trusting God if I was worrying. Maybe I was trying to trust God or hoping to trust God, but when you really believe, the Bible says that if you believe, you enter the rest of God. And that's a wonderful place to be. I mean, the, the promises that are made to those who believe is absolutely astounding. It shall be done for you as you have believed. So why would we not want to believe something positive? Do we want something positive to be done in our life? Well, then we must believe that something positive is going to happen. You know, a lot of mornings when I first get up, I'll say something good is going to happen to me today. God has got a good plan for me today, and I can hardly wait to see what God is going to do for me today. The other day, I said, when I was praying, I said, God, I believe this is going to be a great day, and something really good is going to happen to me today. And my husband went out and bought me two pieces of clothing and brought them home, and that was kind of like a miracle. <laughs> because he normally doesn't shop for me. He'll go out and buy shirts, and I'll come home and say, what about me? <laughs> he went to a lady's shop and bought me two pieces of clothing. And I knew that that was one of the ways that God was fulfilling my confession 
that day. Now, Dave is very good to me, and he'll let me get anything I want, but he's just not been the type to weekly go out and bring home hearts and flowers and gifts and things like that. But he's changing. That is a changed man right over there. He is changing. Amen. He's a changed man because I quit trying to change him and said, God, if you can do anything. No. I'm only kidding. I have to pick on Dave a little bit every time he's here. All things are possible to him who believes. All things. All things are possible to him who believes. Jesus wept over their unbelief. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believing, it shall be granted to you. But you know, you've got to believe all the way through. Because the one thing about believing is it doesn't say when you're going to get your answer. So there's the beginning and the end, but there's also the middle. And the middle is the tough part, isn't it? It's like all those years you're waiting to see something and you keep... You know, it, it's not really hard to say, well, yes, I believe something good is going to happen to me. But then what happens if three years go by and you haven't seen any of it? Well, that's when you've got to keep saying it and keep saying it and keep believing it and keep believing it. You know what the word endure means, I believe? This is my own definition, but I'll share it with you. I think the word endure means to outlast the devil. And I've decided in my life that he doesn't have more strength than I do because Christ is on the inside of me. Amen? Wonderful things all over the place. Let me give you five things real quick that you can believe immediately that will immediately improve the quality of your life. Five things that I will give you tonight that if you will make a decision, with God's help, I'm going to believe that. I'm going to consistently and persistently believe those five things. I can guarantee you that the quality of your life will improve, I mean, dramatically. Number one, believe that it is possible to do anything that God commands you to do. Anything. See, I've come to understand, and it helps me so much. Everything that the Bible tells me to do, through Christ, I can do it. I may not want to. I may not feel like it. It may be challenging. But God is not going to tell His people, do this, and then stand back and laugh at them because they don't have the ability to do it. So we need to stop saying, I can't. It's too hard. It's impossible. That won't work for me. And we need to say, if God says I can do it, then I can do it. If God says I can do it, then I can do it. If God says I can do it, then I can do it. And I think we have to face reality sometimes that we're not doing some of the things that God asks us to do because we don't want to do them. It's not that we can't do them. It's that way down deep inside, we're hoping that if we go around the mountain a few more times, that we'll find an easier path. Amen? And the other thing that I've found that is so refreshing to me is that everything that God asked me to do in the Bible is for my benefit. That even when He asks you to forgive your enemies, that ain't going to do nothing for them. They may not even care that you're mad. Most of the time they're out having a good time where you're home being mad. And so then God comes along with forgive them and pray for them and you're thinking, oh, well, there ain't no way I'm doing that. Because they need to be punished. 
And the whole thing is, is hating your enemies is like taking poison, hoping something bad will happen to them. And so when God tells us to forgive, if we do it, we're going to have joy. We're going to add power to our life. Why would anybody not want to add power to their life if they could? So you've got to believe, I can do anything that God asks me to do, and everything that He asks me to do is for my good. Number two, believe that God can change anyone. <laughs> I heard a low moan coming from over here somewhere. <laughs> God can change anyone. If they will let God work in their life, God can change anyone. Now, I think that we do need to just be honest enough to say that when we pray for other people, it's a different dynamic than if you're praying for something for yourself that's between you and God. When you pray for things for other people, I believe that God deals with them and that He deals with them strongly if you continue to pray, but He's not going to go against their free will and make them do what you would like to see them do, even if what you would like to see them do would indeed be the best thing for them. Everybody's got a free will. But when you pray, I believe that God really deals with people. And there's nobody that He can't change. So don't ever look at one of your kids or somebody you're married to or somebody you work with and say, you ain't never going to change. Don't you pray for somebody to change and then go out to lunch with your friends and say, they're never going to change. No, you say, God is working in them right now because I've prayed. Woo, God is working on them. And they cannot be happy with their sin. They are going to be so miserable in their sinfulness. And God is bringing the right laborer into their path. God is bringing the perfect person to speak to them. God can change anyone. And I'd also like to encourage you under that heading to make a decision tonight that you are from now on going to believe the best of every person. Why be suspicious? It only aggravates you. They don't know how you feel about them. And I really think that believing the best of every person is something that God tells us to do for ourselves, You know, I decided a long time ago, if I believe the best of you and you mess up and hurt me, at least I was happy all those years that I believe the best. <laughs> because if you're going to do this thing that's going to hurt me, then why be miserable for six, seven, eight years until you do it? At least I'm happy over here, and now I've also got the secret that I can trust God to heal me, and I don't have to even have to stay hurt because you hurt me. I can get over that, and I can go ahead and believe that God will do something good in you, and you'll change anyway. You say, well, you know, I've had some bad experiences with people. I mean, asking me to believe the best is a tall order. You're going to be miserable if you don't. And I've decided that I am not going to be miserable over somebody else's stupidity anymore. Amen. Amen. Number three, believe that any circumstance can change. You can be debt-free. You can love again. You don't have to be stuck in the past. All your needs can be met by God. You have to believe there's no circumstance in your life that cannot change. Number four, believe that God can take any mistake that you make and work good out of it. If you don't believe that, then you're going to be so afraid of failure that you will not step out and try to do anything. 
You see, I try a lot of stuff because it doesn't bother me to say, I was wrong. I say, step out and find out. Now, I don't do stupid stuff. I don't do things without praying and really thinking about it. But you can't be afraid of failure. And I believe that failure is part of every success. I believe that a lot of the mistakes that I made are things that I learned by making those mistakes that have helped me now not make those mistakes again. Anything that you've done, if your heart, what does the Bible say? All things work together far good to those who love God and want His will. Anybody who keeps praying, because Romans 8 there is talking about prayer, how the, when we don't know how to pray as we ought to, the Holy Spirit prays through us. And all things, through that prayer, all things work together far good. They may not be good. They work together far good to those who love God and want His will. Well, I pray, I love God, and I want His will. Therefore, there's nothing in my life that God can't take and work it out for good and work it into His overall plan for my life. And we're all whosoever is together. What works for one works for everybody indeed. Amen? Amen. And then lastly, number five, really believe that your times are in God's hands. I mean, really, really, really believe. Even if you're stuck in a traffic jam, believe. Maybe God's saving me some, some kind of an accident or something. I trust God. We had a situation a couple of weeks ago where we were at a restaurant and the waiter was taking longer than I wanted. And I had my plan. And I mean, I wasn't nasty, but inside I was like, oh, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go. I want to go. And then Dave decided to make it a friendly day and he kept talking to the guy and talking to the guy, talking to the guy, asking him all about his business and how he did it. And I am like, oh, Dave. And so when we got just a little bit away from our exit on the highway, there was a horrible, horrible wreck. I mean, one car was turned upside down. The motor was out of it laying out in the road. There were several cars involved. And all of a sudden I thought, you know what? If that waiter would have moved a little bit faster or if Dave wouldn't have talked quite as long, <laughs> we could have been part of that six, seven car accident. And Dave and I have kind of learned this over the years that, you know, there's so many things. Well, what am I doing here? Well, God's got a plan. Everything works out for good. Well, why is this taking so long? God, your timing is perfect in my life. Don't just say my times are in His hands. We have to stop just coming to church and singing all the songs. I surrender all. I surrender all. Or whatever it is we sing. And then go out and live the exact opposite. Why don't you start really, I mean really, really, really believing? You're going to be so much happier if you believe than if you don't believe. Has anybody here in the building tonight seen a couple of areas, one, two, three, five, twenty, thirty, <laughs> areas where you're thinking, well, yeah, my believing is a little messed up in that area. I think I probably need to come up a little bit higher. Well, then all of our folks at home, too, I just want you to know that if you can just believe, simple like a little child, just believe that God's got a good plan for your life 
and begin to follow these principles that I've talked about tonight, you are going to see radical, wonderful changes in your life.